game with five minutes of interjections each from you guys. Sounds good. That's, a, that's the best intro I could have offered for the podcast. Welcome, everyone, to Buffalo Bills Maybe Next Year, a podcast where I can't see any of the other people on the podcast right now. My name is Frank. I'm Paul. None of you can see us either. No, no yeah, I can't. can't just, yeah, this is... yeah, right. We can't see you. Can't, so, uh, speaking of not being able to see, uh, the Buffalo Bills uh, allegedly won a football game, thirteen to seven, in a blinding snowstorm. Which, uh, let me say, as a Western New Yorker, is not typical for the region. I know a lot of people would like to say that is what Buffalo is all about, and it's that kind of football. No, it's not. It really isn't. It's it's snowy sometimes. That was a blizzard. That was um, not quite the one that forced them to cancel the game in Detroit, but man, oh man, uh, you know, wow. Uh, that's all I can say about it. Let's, let's talk about both the visual, um, uh, the, 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 the visuals of the game, which were, were stunning and really fun to watch from my couch, uh, as well as the result. Paul, you, you, uh, you want to, you want to take us off here? Bill's Colts, uh, I mean, what can we glean from this game, if anything? Yeah, enough. It, it's a fun game to watch, but it's one of those where you just can't uh, – it's it's tough to really get any takeaways. The one thing uh, that I did like to see is the way the running game didn't give up. It's not like they were getting the yards and chunks throughout most of the game, save at the end of the first half, but they stuck with it knowing that you didn't have any passing game, especially once yeah, – I can't believe I'm about to utter the sentence. When Nate Peterman gets hurt, you realize you have no passing game left. So they had to go – to, to Joe Webb in that situation, and Joe hadn't thrown a pass since 20, or excuse me, hadn't completed a pass since 2012 or 2011, I think. Yeah. So it had been, you know, they, they really had to just stick with that running game. So I was happy to see that. I was not happy to see all the mistakes on the last uh, drive of regulation by the Colts, excuse me, the second last drive, because there was the Joe Webb interception that led to the last drive of regulation for the Colts. Uh, the second last drive of regulation for the Colts was like an eight plus minute drive, I even closer to 10 minutes. Defense had every opportunity to get off the field on fourth down on at least two occasions. And uh, they had them third and longs at various points and, and gave up chunks of yards to make it an easier fourth. It was, it was really disheartening to see that against an inferior opponent and they got extremely extremely lucky at the end of regulation as well because that was a yes that was a pick play i see that not called a lot though on the two-point conversion and they elected to call it i was already cursing uh my wife had already assumed the bills had lost the game as had i at that point because the offensive pass interference call came about 10 minutes ago i believe uh after that play it was that long a delay before they call that pass interference. So it was, uh, you know, it that was a, a frustrating drive. But the fact that I'm looking at this game and really thinking re there's only that one drive I wish the team could take back and they only gave up seven points, um, a good sign. But on the, on the whole as a football game, I mean, what can you talk? The game plans were out the window uh, very early on. You had to go for it on fourth in certain situations or other situations where you absolutely had to punt on fourth. And we'll get to a different topic uh, related to that later. And, you know, all in all, it was, it was a fun game to, to watch. I know uh, Sal Majorana doesn't like those types of games because he feels snow games ruin the integrity of the game. But I like, I like these equalizer games. I like it when it's, hey, we're going to go back to, like, 1950s-style football. There's going to be a, these crazy throws mixed in, about seven plays each a game. But otherwise, we're just going to try and run it over you. There's going to be no disguise in what we do. You know, who's going to outman who? And in this instance, it was the uh, – the Bills who outman the Colts, and I was I was definitely uh, 
definitely enjoyed the game. It was a pleasure to see, even if I wish they'd won by like 30 points. Before we toss it to Scott, I'd just like to reiterate, like, I think we made the joke that, you know, should Buffalo run the, the option, the, the army option? Last <laughs> yeah. week? And yeah. the answer is like, they really probably should have. That would have been <laughs> wonderful. Let me just throw out one of the quarterback stat lines, nine for 18 for 56 yards in an inner. Wait, no, that's not, that's not someone that's Tyrod Taylor stat line from new Orleans during no snow. It must've been nine for 18 uh, for 65 yards for an interception. No, no, that was also Tyrod Taylor against uh, new England. The other week. See what about, he's doing folks. He's so clever. <laughs> How about how about five for ten for fifty-seven yards and one touchdown? That would be Nathan Peterman in a blinding snowstorm. <laughs> I don't want to hear it anymore. <laughs> I understand that those were Taylor's best games, but he had a Nathan Peterman had a better stat line in a quarter. Now, granted, maybe if he kept playing, it would have gotten much worse. Yes, but, five but, of fifteen with five interceptions and a touchdown. Right. <laughs> um, but you know, five of ten for fifty-seven yards and one touchdown. That shouldn't be in the same sentence as not just one, but two starts in the last six weeks uh, from the guy who's supposed to be your starter. Um, two for six for 35 yards for, for Joe Webb. He threw the, the game's lone pick on what was like, a I feel like an insanely called pass, but okay. Yes, yes sure. that was insane. That I'm not was... sure what they were thinking there. And that was like moving and like also very poorly thrown, but okay, <laughs> sure. Um, but Scott, you know, I've taken my I've taken my cheap shot at Tyrod uh, <laughs> Taylor. Absolutely. Feel free to, to to give us your thoughts Avenge on the game. Avenge me. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, uh, so uh, I will tell you this: that the visuals of the game are somewhat ruined when you're watching it uh, the day later on the NFL Game Pass. It's a little less magical when you're mm-hmm. just kind of watching it in condensed fashion. The game did take about 35 minutes to watch, which was. Yes. Amusing for a for a uh, for right. a kid. I saw in the all twenty two footage that Joe Biscalia did that he uh, actually had to tweet. Is there are there any signs of life down there? It was like <laughs> looking at a white screen. Yeah, they yeah. said that there were some games that they you just can't even tell what the Colts were running on defense because they were wearing white and you know so yeah and so uh, I mean and so I'm a little uh, I I don't want to say like I'm surprised but I I'm a little uh, perturbed by. Uh, Sal's comment that that these games ruin the integrity of the sport or 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 make it you know I understand where he's going for that you know obviously like the Bills could have been playing anybody from like the 1927 Giants to the 2014 Patriots and it really would have probably looked pretty similar I I right. get that that is is part of it and that these games count to the standings even though for all intents and purposes you could treat this frankly like a preseason game given how different these teams had to play to a certain extent but on the same point i would also say that this is something that the bills have to account for because they do play in buffalo and so that's always been a bit of a a part of the team um even in the kind of the k-gun days you still needed to have a good running game and a good offensive line to able to you know win when you're not able to throw the ball and that's more likely to happen to us than it is to other teams if other teams choose not to build themselves to play in that weather that's their choice and it's probably a legitimate one but it doesn't change the fact that this is how the game is played so i don't view it as like a gimmick or anything um even if it was you know obviously much much different than a normal game um in terms of the actual gameplay um yeah no i mean it's uh it's Definitely disappointing to see what the what happened with the defense there. I will say that this is one of the great things about the game of football as football as kind of constructed is that by definition it 
in some sports, I feel like as the game goes on and one team's ahead of the other, it becomes harder for the other team to get back into it. Whereas in football, it's actually easier because the, the team with the ball um, or the team with the lead is usually more likely to change how they're playing in order to kind of, sh- you know, shorten the game, which is not always what they're supposed to do. But more to the point, when you're trying to come back, you're changing your frame of reference from a three down series to a four down series. And that drastically improves your chances of winning on any one series, even if over the long an extended game, it would probably not work as well and be more damaging. But at the end, it's certainly willing. It's certainly worth the risk, and it obviously allows you to kind of come back and put together drives like the Colts did because I think they converted at least one, if not two, fourth downs on that drive. Um, so I think uh, that was entertaining. Um, we will get to the the punt in a minute. Obviously, we're going <laughs> to talk about that. Um, but uh, no, I mean, like, what do you? I mean, as far as Peterman, like. Again, like I'm sure Tyrod would have loved to have Kelvin Benjamin for like a game this year. He uh, did have him for a game this year, and he did not throw to him after the first couple of passes. So that was the Jets game. Okay, but, but I, you know, I, I, I didn't know wasn't the Jets game because the Jets game we didn't start. He didn't play because that was after. Right, I would say it was the New Orleans game that he, New he targeted. Game. I think Benjamin three times on that first series, and then never again. Right, and then he got hurt the following week in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And I, I did that obviously tongue in cheek, knowing that like, I know, yes, obviously people catching the football at all was a bit of luck. Um, a bit more complicated than that, yes. Allow me to read a few tweets uh, from the Buffalo Bills, maybe next year account. Uh, first of all, the one I really like, almost wish <laughs> the Bills were playing the Pats this week instead of last. Whether like this could be a great equalizer, I agree that would have been fun. But then the madness began. Yeah, then, this... I, then I should have shut the f up at that point. Yeah, he was Scott. He was this close to a a. Jets, Bills, as long as they don't pass it, text message <laughs> level yeah. of what the fuck <laughs> with his tweets. The first one is, wonderful to see either QB get to the double-digit passing yards today. And within a minute of that, Jacoby Brissett threw his 111-yard pass. <laughs> and that should have been the harbinger. That should have been the stop it off. Um, Ferguson Schmidt has been on the money combination for Bills as Peterman Benjamin. Benjamin goes down. <laughs> um <laughs> Any point where's the uh, uh, maybe a blessing in disguise that the Bills had to punt? This is the big one. Make Colts go as far as possible to get points. Scott, do you know when when our friend tweeted this? He tweeted this uh, before the Colts yeah. did a nine-yard, nine-minute fourth-quarter drive. <laughs> that where, took every ounce of time on the clock left except for enough time to throw an interception. On <laughs> that right, yeah. right. Then, then, as if he hadn't learned his lesson, this is one of the most bizarre Bills games I've ever seen. If this were to end at a 7-7 tie, that would be both appropriately and intensely demoralizing. Joe Webb promptly throws an interception. <laughs> and really, only because uh, uh, um, the kicker, uh, not Vanderjack. Uh, uh, the, the other V, Vinatieri. Vinatieri. The, the good Vinatieri. Vinatieri, like, perfectly hits it to the one side, and it goes in, and he doesn't do it again. Um, so... So Paul dodged the bullet. He was yeah. if they had lost this game, it would have been I would have had we to put have. Paul on the on the list of uh jinxers. He would have um, been revoked of his Twitter rights for, for at least for at least a week. He would have been suspended. Yes. Yeah, yeah and but, let's not forget the one of the first you called out. I said, aside from the intentional grounding, I can't recall a single flag in this game. Right. And after I tweeted that, Vlad Dukas uh false start on fourth and one. That's right. That's right. Like right after, to which yeah. you just jinx tweet after jinx tweet from you. I like how they built the whole game, and then, <laughs> and then it was only because of Vinatieri's, you know. And really, Chuck Pagano, like, 
deciding a 40 something yard field goal was a, you know, was a great way to try and win the game. Uh, yeah. You know, this is, let's, let's do three stars and then we'll use that as a springboard into poor officiating decisions. Sorry, poor coaching decisions by both the bills and Colts. Um, but do we have any stars in this snowy football game? Christmas stars perhaps, or holiday stars, Christmas stars, uh, foggy stars, uh, snow covered frozen stars. Yeah. These yeah. are your frozen stars. Let's, let's call it that. Um, yeah. So your, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, your honorable mention. Let me make sure. Hmm. Long snap. I did not hear your honorable. Oh yeah, yeah. So we we lost you to the ether there, Scott. But... Oh, I apologize. Yeah, it was so it was so built up. It was so perfect. That's all right. You, you can redo it because no one else heard you either. So it'll be like the first time for all of us. Exactly, except for me. Reed Ferguson, long snapper. Uh, yes. Yes, he is your honorable. I think I mentioned. actually suggested him in uh, in, in one, one of the first tweets was that Colton Schmidt and 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 Ferguson were both performing up to Scott's specific standards <laughs> in the, in, you know, for snow game, for snow you know, game, for, for stars. Yeah, exactly. You know, to be a or a long snapper in that kind of game. Exactly. So you really need to, or, or a kicker for that matter. Right. So, uh, but, uh, Hauschka just really had the, uh, the extra point. So he, he was not in contention. Uh, Reed Ferguson with the, the perfect day in the snow, uh, does get, does get the, uh, the uh, the honorable mention the third star then of course does go to Colton Schmidt his uh, punting battery mate um, who had a a perfectly acceptable day if he was punting in normal weather but obviously a above average day considering he was punting in a freaking snowstorm so six punts thirty eight yard average um, two inside the twenty um, including one that I think he like basically like it landed like a golf ball like back like it just stuck into the ground right it was like uh, it was, it was like snow. that game against the it was the steelers dolphins monday night game years ago which there's a good sb nation video on called the worst football game in history which it very well may have been and there was a punt in that game that just stuck right in the mud when it hit the ground that was yeah, what was exactly. the fun of watching punts in the snow like you're not playing for the spin making the bounce on those punts paul so you're like, doing oh, the oh my zooling you are zooling a bit so it might be a good time to bounce on and off and let we'll, we'll go to the Next couple of stars as you yeah. do that, yeah, yeah. Uh, so your so third star goes to to uh, what is everyone's name is uh, Colton Schmidt, and then your uh, second star is uh, Deontay Thompson, who had one catch, but what a catch it was, and literally could not have been more important, right? Because um, it basically saved our entire season, and that's again uh, the guy who we signed off the scrap heap from the Bears. Five weeks ago, has pretty much saved our season twice at this point. Yes, as far as I can tell. Um, uh, but with an unbelievable catch, I don't know how he could have even seen the ball like five yards out, let alone like gotten around to pretty decent coverage. He was interfered on on the play um, and still managed to to bring it in and not even have the ball touch the ground. That was uh, completely like again, like if that was if that was. Um, Rob Gronkowski or, or you know Julio Jones or something, it would have broken ESPN. Like they would never have stopped showing it. But right, it, but it's bills. Just, that was so. But bills, yeah, exactly. Um, so that was completely insane. So he gets second star for one catch. 
um, because that was just that good. Um, and then your first star, obviously, is LaShawn McCoy, uh, 32 carries, 156 yards, uh, and one touchdown. Um, obviously, the workhorse, the guy who needed to be the best player on the field. He was uh, pretty much every week, but especially in a game when we're starting our backup and third stringer, uh, sees a tremendous amount of action, and we're playing in a blizzard. And uh, you need someone to to kind of have some leadership, and I think LaShawn has proven it to this point that he is he is the leader that this team. Uh, how does it go? He's the leader that we this need. Team that we don't needs. deserve. Yeah, right. something like something like that. Uh, he's, the, he's the hero we need, but not the one we deserve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's what it is. And then who is the other one then? So who's the, Who's Harvey Dent? Yeah, uh, who's the hero we Sean deserve? McDermott? That Sean we don't need the one we deserve that we don't need. Probably. Yeah. Of course, yeah. we're gonna make um, you know McCoy leader references. Shouldn't he? Shouldn't we be actually referring to the uh, oil painting we found of him? <laughs> yeah, in in the post show last week, which I think Paul, we tweeted. You, tweeted, you tweeted it out. I think. Yeah. I did. Yes, I actually I I, I mentioned uh, at cut on dime twenty five when I I did so. He did not comment, but it's still wow. I clearly he was motivated by your find. <laughs> The price went up on eBay afterwards, so right. it's probably probably speaking to the market. Um, <laughs> that's going to be a, a segment that we bring you guys perhaps during the off season is weird bill shit that you can find on eBay. Yeah, um, but uh, anyway, those are your I, those are your three stars. I think it's remarkable that Kelvin Benjamin, uh, Deontay Thompson, and Joe Webb—three people who were not on this roster in Week Five—made mm-hmm. um, the difference in this game. That you know, like the season is staved by people. This is almost feels like a baseball like game where, like, yeah, holy cow, those pickups at pickups at the deadline were huge. Again, it's like you can get away with that, Sean McDermott and uh, Brandon McBean or whatever your name is, um, this season. But if you're doing this next year, that's just the Doug Whaley plan of I don't know how to build a roster, but I'm just getting really lucky at picking players, um, or or not lucky, but but I'm just you know kind of you know, randomly making good tactical decisions without a strategic plan. So if this is the story that you're telling us next year, I'm going to be concerned. Um, yes, maybe next year we'll cover that. Uh, the Although I, I think that it, it lends itself to this next question about, uh, we're going to call it the fourth and one punt, um, but, you know, not just his punt, but uh, the the Colts' decision to, to sort of play for the field goal at the end of the game in a in a in a again a snowstorm yeah, with a wind. Conservative coaching. Oh, oh, Paul, you're still, still zooling. Still zooling. All right, I'm. I'm All right. I'll be back. All right, sorry. Um, well, let's start with Scott, though. I mean, yeah. Think about the decision, and uh, think about the decision in the larger context of what you make of what McDermott is doing. Um, I mean, does that? I. Yeah. It's a fascinating, kind of. I, I just kind of stumbled upon this. I mean, obviously, I, it was a terrible decision. I'm surprised there are as many people defending it as there were on the message boards afterwards, and and I think it's completely indefensible. And so I agree with everyone who says it's a terrible decision. I think you know the the bigger debate now is just kind of like you know the old Steve Colbert, you know, worst coach or the worstest coach kind of thing. Right. Um, but I think it's an interesting question about his mindset do you want him to have the context of this team in his head when he makes it 
and the Rex Ryan punting against Miami last year and the Doug Marone punting incident of two years ago or whatever that someone, I forget who it was, Biscaya, I think, dragged it out. Do you want those in his head? Because on some level, I think the answer would be no, because you want him to go into every situation and, and, you know, weigh each situation individually and based on the merits of what he thinks this team is. And those can be, you know, as much about, you know, whatever he thinks they are, you know, they could be Mm -hmm. random things like, you know, morality or, uh, you know, momentum or, or percentages or whatever they are. But on the other hand, I wonder if there is, but wouldn't you want him to consider on some level that one of those factors is in fact, he is the only new player he is not, he is one of the new players, but he is not, by no means the only guy who had to deal with those decisions and the fallout right. and them going back to the locker, like Eric Wood and, you know, who, uh, you know, uh, Mills and Miller and um, Charles Clay, if he was, you know, on the field for any of those games, she may not have been, but a lot of guys were on the field for those decisions and had to then go back into the locker rooms afterwards and looking at themselves like my coach doesn't believe in us. You know, this team's a bunch of, wastes you know we're never going to get anywhere all the kind of negative thoughts that you hope they're not thinking about but whatever those that kind of negative vibes was not to mention that you know uh, the home field advantage is a real thing and obviously the fans are part of that and throwing this kind of you know turd burger to the fans is kind of like so i'm kind of i'm kind of leaning towards he should ignore that kind of stuff but i also couldn't rule out that maybe he shouldn't i don't know it's a it's a i think that but the problem i have is that like fundamentally like even if you don't subscribe to like an advanced statistics model, it's incredibly risky in a game, especially when the Colts just ran it down your throat to give them the ball back in overtime and basically dare them to lose the game. And to also sort of not really understand the implications of what a what a tie would have done for this team. If they're tied right now, the season is over. Yeah. You know, it's not, it's, it's like in that mathematically over, but not over. You have to um, beat the Patriots is what you're saying at that point. You, you have only, to go three and out. Right. And you also probably need some more help in a way, you know, it's just not, yeah. it's not the same. It, it's a thing where, and I'm trying to find his quote here. I don't know if we, I know I, I saved it. Um, McDermott, is- you look at it, they asked him about whether, whether, whether tying, was if he understood the implications of tying for the season and you know specifically this year and he says look at it from all different angles obviously you want to win first that's what you want to do you certainly don't want to lose you want to win and the second best thing you could do in that situation is tie i'd rather win than tie and rather tie than lose and it that is the most mind-numbing <laughs> awful i don't want to answer the question thing to say and for a guy who is pretty quick to um, you know say the team needs to get better and say that we need to be better in the passing game, which is just Lashawn, or sorry, which is just Tyrod Taylor, right? Like he's just like there's only one guy who's passing the football, so he's very quick to point out that every week the team needs to get better and they make mistakes, and he might not specifically say mistakes. It's bothersome to me that he can't get up there and say, yeah, you know, I'm not sure. I'm really happy that it worked out the way that it did. And I don't know if I should do something different, but it's something I would look at. Or I'm not a you know perfect coach. Maybe I should have gone for it. But in any event, it worked. Um, 
the other thing I'll point out is, as somebody said, well, you know, you've created a disadvantage for yourself by giving the Colts back the football, just like you created a disadvantage for yourself when the Colts scored a touchdown. Um, and so both of them were, so both of them were the right thing to do. It was apparently the right thing to do to let the Colts score because ultimately you won the game. And so if you can defend every decision, you know, and in which case, like no one should ever get in trouble for having a penalty or making a bad play because it ultimately resulted in a victory. Post um, ergo proper octo. Yes. Post hoc ergo propter hoc. Um, well done. Uh, and, and so to me, it's just lazy and, you know, I hope that in back in the office, everyone's laughing at him for his stupid tie quote, and they're getting down to, yeah, okay, how do we know how to to determine those situations where maybe, you know, you're on their side of the field. There's less than five minutes to go in the game, in your season, if you're being honest. Even if it wasn't snowing, even if it wasn't the Colts, even if they hadn't scored on the last drive, you still have to freaking go for it. Right, but there was all those extra things in there. That were like that, that would that would speak to an old time coach, you know. Yeah. Um, Paul, we want your thoughts on it too. Um, it, Scott summarized a lot about you know how it might play in the locker room and and whether he should be carrying the uh, the the ghosts of of fourth downs past in, in his head uh, for with regards to the Bills. Um, obviously, you heard kind of the end of my thoughts, which were just yeah. it's stupid either way. But go ahead. Right, no, I'd, I'd agree. It's stupid either way. Um, it, there, was, there was no really good – I understand there was logic to it. I shouldn't say there's no logic to it. I, I, I get it. Yeah, pin them deep. It's a tough game for the offenses to move the ball. But I wouldn't have had an issue if there were eight minutes left in the overtime and let's say the Bills were on their side of the field. But they were way onto the Colts' side of the field at the what forty-one or so at that point. Yeah, they were. Yeah, they were in not field goal range. Maybe on a good day, but yeah, it was like thirty-nine yard line somewhere around there. And they—that's what was it the forty? All right, cool. So, um, so they punted from there, and there were only four minutes left. They and and mind you, um, and I'm informed I'm not zooling, so that's that's yes, success. So yeah, the uh, so, so what has to mind you the Colts had at the end of regulation put together a just monstrous drive. So your defense was already probably still fairly tired from that. The Colts had confidence they can move the ball, and you give the ball up with four minutes left. That is possession is how you score in the NFL. Yes, there are pick right. sixes and other defensive touchdowns that happen. At least when Nathan Peterman's your quarterback. So you know there's there's always that, but you, there. The offenses were so conservative, the chances of a defensive touchdown being scored were extremely minimal. So, you know, you're giving up the the ball in that situation. You give up, you know, really, I think your odds of winning that game from that point go to about, you know, 50% roughly, maybe a little higher than 50% because you have possession of the ball on your team's side of the, on the other team's side of the field down to what? Maybe 20-25% because you have to hope they're done in five or sooner plays, most of which would have to be pass plays, which thank God was the case. And then they put it right back to you. And then uh, you have to depend on a bomb completion from Joe Webb to Deontay Thompson. So that's, right. you know, that's the, what about, and like, and, and, and then he, the best run of the game yeah. where everyone's exhausted and, you know, McCoy, you know, breaks one for a touchdown and you don't have to risk kicking a field goal. But you, but you knew that was going to happen to them. You just knew that was going to happen to them and their players are get tired and not your defense because they had been, they had not been on the field of the stuff for the last. Right. And you're only there in the first place because you just watched Chuck Pagano essentially do the same thing uh, on the other end of the field where he's just going to play this conservative, 
you know, get kind of close enough to what I think is a field goal and cross your fingers that it goes in. And this is sort of kick the ball away and cross your fingers that you get it back. Even if you feel like you can force a team to do that, it's still, I don't know, man, it wasn't no bueno. It's yeah, Sorry. It was, yeah, it was just a questionable decide. I think I tweeted at the time the Colts should Rex Ryan would be proud of that punt. The Colts should be allowed to trade for JGI now and just run it down Bill's throats. I was like, I was ready to cut ties with McDermott immediately after, but I think one thing that I heard was a good follow up question and then we'll move on. Um do you think though, is that one small piece, does it in and is that a bad taste in our mouth? Or when you look at this season and you look at a team that's you know, seven and six, no, six and yeah, seven and six. And they are, you know, ostensibly in this playoff race uh, with a team that was pared down. Um, do you think that there is something that he's doing right? That, you know, m- there is a good quality to him as a coach that maybe we're not seeing direct evidence of. Um, either of you, yeah. go for it. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess I'll I'll talk since I I'm uh, I sure. was I was out of commission there for a while. I was on the uh, the injured reserve for ten minutes. But uh, back in the game, um, yeah, I, it doesn't make me lose trust in the overall process. I think what people fail to see so much is that a coach isn't just about great game management decisions, great strategy. It's also about being a people manager, and that is clearly an area in which. Uh, McDermott excels because you see a united locker room behind him. You see toxic uh, players being taken out of that locker room, not even toxic players necessarily, but players who aren't buying on board with the program being moved out. And you don't hear, like if you get rid of, you know, Darius and, uh, you know, Sammy Watkins, Ronald Darby, you know, and Jonathan, even uh, to a lesser degree, Jonathan Williams, and your locker room hasn't revolted on you, and you've won seven out of 13 games, you're obviously doing some things correctly. So based on the results we've seen, I'm willing to give him the the benefit of the doubt. But I would really, really strongly hope that just because the, the uh, you know, like he said about Nathan, the decision to start Nathan Peterman, he's like, you know, I, I stand by the decision, you know, it just wasn't the result we wanted. Well, I think this is the opposite. I think you've got to abandon that decision, even though you were happy with the result, because that punt was not a good decision. There's very few scenarios that that works out for your team in terms of giving you a victory that was desperately needed. So right. I'm hoping it's a, it's a game management mistake that he learns from it and that we have seen the end of that sort of, uh, you know, fourth and one at the 41, fourth or teen in overtime uh, punting. Because it it doesn't really serve you well to do that. It's a good point that there that there should be a contra to the, his example with Peterman. That if there are things that go poorly that should have gone well, then there are things that go well that should have gone poorly. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scott, do you have thoughts on that? Or yeah, I mean, uh, no, I think it's a great question. I mean, I think uh, as usual, Frank. Um, I think if I I think I was kind of I was ruminating if I I forget when this week if I was if I had decided to run the podcast this week. Not that I would have, but. Uh, like that would have been like my kind of jerk question would have been like right now tell me what you think about Sean McDermott like are you glad we hired him or not and oh so, and obviously the cheap answer is to say like I want three more games um, but I think the I think it's just hard because it's I, I'd really have to think and come up with a list of like what do I want in a coach and how do I prioritize those things because it's almost impossible to have a coach who's good at everything the coach needs to do. Like the coach has to be like a creative and, um, you know, a creative scheme guy. He needs to understand the X's and O's. He needs to be a good 
player evaluator and talent evaluator. He needs to be good at motivating and um, inspiring the players who are on the team. He has to be good at delegating authority to his assistants and understanding how to work with other you know, peers in his field to get the most out of them. He has to know how to deal with the media and the general managers and the owners and all the other kind of distracting things that are distractions but actually end up being a part of the coach. And he has to be a good game manager. And those are all important parts of the of the of the um, the head coaching job, and I don't know. I mean, I think McDermott is probably better at some. Obviously, like he's probably more. I think he's probably more detail oriented than Ryan was. Um, he's probably better at the X's and O's than Ryan was. He's probably better at developing a team than Ryan was yeah. in terms of a culture and like a uh, an attitude of professionalism to a certain extent. I'm not sure that he's a better game caller at this point. We haven't seen the evidence of that, I guess I would say. And certainly this was a pretty big black mark on Sunday. Um, but obviously that's going to play itself out more. And he's and that's the other thing is that Ryan had eight years of play calling experience or whatever it was. And McDermott, obviously, this is his 13th game or whatever. So there's a bit of a, you hope he can find a way to get better at that. So I would have to really sit down and kind of prioritize how I would weigh all those factors before I determined like how good he is as a coach. I guess that's good. We'll we'll save that for when we speak with him. Uh, obviously, on the last podcast of the year, yeah. like we always do with our Bills yeah. coaches. Uh, feel free to go; they're usually labeled. Um, but you know, you know, I could understand it. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, let's move on. Let's go to uh, Peterman Taylor Webb. Who's going to start? It, it looks like it won't be Joe Webb because Peterman and Taylor are both practicing. Peterman's still officially in the protocol and limited. Um, Taylor was a full participant in, in practice today, which seems to me like that at all but names him starter, right? Because we, we've also heard the bit of information that uh, if he's healthy, he he's the starter. So maybe this is not a very interesting question when we should move on quickly from. <laughs> I agree. Okay. Yeah, yeah. But that was that. You know what? We tend to drag on on topics, so I feel the need to say these three sentences before we move on, and I'm done. Very good. Uh, let's go to uh, let's pull up the Facebook page and the tweets while we start talking about the playoff bonanza. Uh, I, I don't know how deeply we want to go into this um, because it's a rabbit hole. Uh, to give you an example, if you go to Buffalo Rumblings, they're pretty adamant that they want the Ravens to beat the Browns or sorry, the Browns to beat the Ravens. Sorry, because the Ravens are tied with the bills at seven and six and they figure the Ravens need a loss. If you go to the New York times playoff predictor, what it wants to happen is the Ravens to beat the Browns and then lose the following week to the Colts. And it wants that for the bills because I think if the Browns remain winless and they play them twice, that's like two zeros going into their strength of victory grade. And that changes the dynamic in that third, uh, in the three-way tie. I'm sure many Bills fans have already sort of looked into a lot of this and realized there's a difference between a two-way tie and a three-way tie, where a two-way tie with the, the Chargers uh, would be a, a no bueno because you'd lose out on the head-to-head. -head. But when there's a three-way tie and all three teams haven't played, then you throw out the head-to-head -head because it's not fair to the third team that's tied. There is no head-to-head -head record with them. 
And so you jump down the line, which is why the Bills are ahead of the Chargers, even though the Chargers beat the Bills um, this weekend anyway. Uh, Scott, do you have a favorite scenario or any thoughts? Have you, have you put much I, thought into this? Or? So I did, I've played around with a little bit. I, my money is on the Titans. That is the team that I'm more, I'm You're, most yeah. interested in having fallout. I think the AFC West will sort itself out one way or another, and I don't think that we're going to catch the Ravens. So I think the Titans losing to the Niners on Sunday was kind of huge because that is that is a game where they definitely thought they were going to win that, and obviously the Titans have a game in hand on the Bills on some level um, as they're already 8-5, and five, but they have two tough games with the Jaguars and the Rams coming up. Mm -hmm. um, and then their game this week was also... In San Francisco. Um yeah, they're in San Francisco, and I thought Mariota might have been hurt. But oh, yeah, they lost to the Cardinals, and then they're in San Francisco. San Francisco, who just right. beat somebody who was halfway decent. The Texans. Right, and San Francisco's favored in this game. Uh, yeah, I know they have, because Garoppolo's playing well now for some reason. Or he right, well, he's all. playing, period. Yeah. Right, he's playing, yeah. period. And Mariota and Houston, is... Houston, uh, who also is short a quarterback. That's who right. uh, they're coming off a win against. And it looks like Mariota is at least battling injury, even if he's not going to be ruled out for the games. They feel like there's a good chance for the Titans to to fall apart. And I agree, that's certainly the easier path is if the if the if the Titans either lose out or probably lose two out of three, it looks like that's they drop to nine and seven. The Bills win their two out of three. They get to nine and seven. I mean, I think I got yeah. about this far, and then I was like, oh, wait, the Dolphins just beat the Patriots and uh, we have to we beat them twice now. So I don't know if that's right. gonna happen. Here's and another I, weird thing. I just I just sure. clicked on 49ers beat the Titans, and then the last week I clicked on Jaguars beat the Titans, and I scrolled back up to click on Rams-Titans, and now it wants the Titans to win and beat the Rams, and it actually hurts the Bills if the Rams win, and I have no idea why three more losses for the Titans other than, I, I mean, if they're 8-8, eight and eight, it must just be some sort of tiebreaker that the, the, the playoff machine is worried about. So, yeah. uh, Paul, do no, you have specific thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's, the, it's so... Diff I'm trying to break it down to its simplest components to, to you know, analyze. The very first thing, the most prominent thing every Bills fan needs to root for this, this week is the Bills to beat the Dolphins, which is not a gimme, of course, after we saw what they did on Monday night, and uh, which we'll talk about later. Without that happening, all the other scenarios are really almost out of play because then you're looking at trying to get in an 8-8 eight eight when you're losing very valuable tiebreakers and all of a sudden, Miami is ahead of you in the standings because you're both seven and seven. So you fall further down the list and have more teams compete with, and that's a problem. So that, above all, is most what you know what Bills fans should root for. On the other games, as, as we discussed, it's really difficult to to know. I'm still of the mind that I would rather the uh, the Ravens start to stack up some losses right now, even if that means to the lowly Browns who've been playing better, but. We've only had one team in history go 0-16, so they're got to be due one of the next three weeks, one would hope, mm -hmm. but we'll see. Uh, so it's certainly possible that they do that, and then that gets the that gets some separation behind the – it gets you ahead of the Ravens a bit. So now can you stay ahead of the Ravens? And then you're not sure if you're going to be in a three-way tie with anyone, and if so, will you have the advantage? So I would say root for the Bills, root for Cleveland, and then with – I think you're going to root against Tennessee most of the year. I don't see them catching the Jaguars. The Jaguars look – very good. We want the we want Tennessee to lose a couple games just to have that extra spot open. And yeah. I think that's that's what you're probably going for. Everything else, Chargers, Chiefs, who knows? Because you're looking at tiebreakers that 
you know, obviously at the top of your head, you think, well, Los Angeles should win because we want them to win the division. Right. But, you know, then there's, you know, the Chiefs, they can lose three-way tiebreakers too because how people forget the Chiefs have been two teams this year. They were the team that started off in the, the first month and a half of the season then the team we've seen the last month and a half. So they were a really good team that first month and a half and secured a lot of tiebreakers that way. So, yeah, root for the Bills, and then I'd say root for the Ravens and the, the Niners. Otherwise, you know, do, just don't overthink it. Not to mention the, the, the division still open for up for grabs. Yeah, so, yeah, for, you know, officially for another, got, uh, yeah, yeah, another couple of weeks. Obviously, got to uh, got to keep that in mind as we, we look sure. for an AFC East crown, which would be the best way to go in. Um, the I, the only other thing I would say is I find that <clears throat> no matter what, I really want to root against the Chiefs because the lower they end up, the better for Buffalo, especially if Buffalo's winning more games. Um, right. I mean, and the Chargers have an easy schedule too after the Chiefs, yeah. so I think they would be in good position if they win to win the win the division outright. Yeah, I think yeah. You're at this point. What I'm rooting for is the Chargers to to run away with the the West. Yeah, they've got yeah. they've got to play the Jets, which isn't mm-hmm. a gimme, as the Bills will tell you. And right. then the Chargers after that week 17, as I scroll on NFL Mobile, will be hosting Oakland. So winnable games both. Madness. Let us return uh, to our roots, which is the fans of the podcast. Um, we have the the Buffalo Bills Facebook page, facebook.com backslash bbillsmny, and our Twitter handle, at bbillsmny. Um, you can find us. You can talk to Scott. You can talk to me. You can talk to Paul. We'll, we'll find a way to, to get a hold of you. Um, we have some thoughts. Uh, Scott wrote – Scott, our Scott wrote, podcasting tomorrow – Who's going to start a QB? What will the weather be? Which Bills team will show up? What Dolphins team, uh, well, what Dolphins tram will show up? Who's going to win the game Sunday? Who shot JR? All this in your questions, comments. Phil took it upon himself to answer those. He said, Taylor. By the way, oh, notice Phil's profile picture was his uh, his Bill Snowman pre-sack. Yes, pre-sack in the UK. So yes. that's pretty great. Um, he said, Taylor Overcast, average an average day, or average one, um, which will which the average Bills team, bills team. right? Yep. Uh, then he said that who's going to win the Bills, and then uh, he he makes a mistake. Who shot Jr. Maggie Simpson did not. Well, maybe she did, but it was all a dream. Is that's, what happened. That's, that is the correct answer. In if we if this was the trivia question, the answer would have been Maggie Simpson. So right, he would have gotten it correct. Right, and then Paul would have said obviously Jr. was going by the name Montgomery Burns at <laughs> right. the time. Um, why don't you the Simpsons is really a remake of Dallas and so forth. We could have gone down a whole rabbit hole there. Why don't U.S. stadiums have roofs, not domes, roofs to shelter their fans like our footy stadiums? Some historical oh, no, They only seem too. to get that in Dallas for some reason. Dallas is smart yeah. enough to be like, let's make sure our fans are covered. Uh, you know, that'll the be Met- nice. Yeah, I, I don't know why it's a dome instead of a roof. And I'm not sure. Because if you look at Lucas Oilfield from the outside, the center is retractable, but the outside looks like a big roof. Um, so I'd have to actually think about what the difference between a dome and a roof is other than it is true. I don't know how you would define the difference. Right. I think, I think Phil's more looking for the roof that covers like, again, it's kind of like loose soil, I guess. Yeah. It covers the fans and and it can be open air above that. Whereas if you do a dome, you, the elements aren't a weather when it comes to elements aren't a factor when it comes to the game, uh, or, or the fans, but the elements are a factor when it comes to the game. So, you know, you've got to be – There's, I'm very anti-dome for that reason as well. But that with domes, 
it would right. never see games like that. But if I'm a fan, there's a reason only, you know, 40,000 fans showed up that day because they knew they would be covered in snow and freezing. And you can see all the pictures online of that. Right. I'm glad that they, I'm pretty sure they waived the blackout restrictions. They might just do that all the time. Yeah, I don't think they have blackouts anymore. That would. No, that I would don't live in Buffalo anymore, so I definitely can't tell you. That would have been definitely a game where, like in the old days, you would need special dispensation to show it on television and just be like, it's, yes. you know, it's a it's a health hazard to send people out into the, into the world. Um, Brian Punt and my page, thanks to everybody. Okay, here we go. Uh, I kind of hope the Dolphins do show up on a tram, like out of the time warp from the 30s, partly because I want to see what it was like to watch Johnny Blood, Mc, Johnny Blood McNally and Bronco Nagurski play, but mostly because in reality, this game seems like seems just the kind to suck the fun and hope out of the season after last week's craziness. <laughs> and I mean, I don't know. There's something to that. I think. Yeah. It's um, you know, it, it's, this will be, a, it's a concerning game. This is, there's a lot of good history on the Bills' side going into this, but that just makes you feel like it's going to be a letdown. Steven posted on the Facebook page, which was really, beautiful, by the way. I just liked that like a minute ago. It's very good. It's the Tecmo Super Bowl version of LaShawn McCoy running into the touchdown in the snow with the, the radio call over the top. And if you go to our Facebook page, uh, you can click on it and like it. And it's it's well worth seeing. So what about Twitter? Do we have any Twitter questions? Yeah, yeah we got a lot on Twitter. First, you know, they will address the most important question given to us by our our colleagues, uh, Bills and Beers. Uh, of course, uh, when we said, uh, you know, we we're asking for questions for the podcast, they asked, have we ever heard the origin story, how three men with what seems to be extensive schooling in the humanities coalesced in Bill's fandom turned podcasting? So, um, Scott, do you take offense to be having your, your field called the humanities? Because I think, like, you're, you're a lot more, I, like, I can't argue with it. it. I, it's definitely the humanities. Is it's it? Okay. It's a, it's a made-up field. It's a made-up science. All right. Okay. Well, I mean, mine was poly science right, philosophy I mean, followed yeah, by law. I, mean, so. I have a master's of science degree, but give me a break. It's in communications. It's a humanities. I'm not going to deny my roots. The answer is simply because we can, old boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yes, I kind of previewed the answer because, yeah, it was just Frank sending an email to Scott and I one day and being like, hey, I'm bored. Let's do a podcast. This is pre-crazy stressful jobs, pre-children uh, pre-moving various places and back some of some wives, not yeah. all wives, but pre some wives. Yeah. Yes, um, I had been doing a baseball podcast and decided that we also we also actually all knew each other before emailing. Right, Frank, I just, yes. <laughs> it was established. I, in, in I, I went on the dark web and I found two <laughs> others humanities majors and said, "Hey guys," and they were like, "Who is this?" I, I have all your Bitcoin. Which wasn't at the time. Um, no, I just sort of said it'll be easy, no problem. Um, and it's funny because in my and I, we should save the bulk of this for a, a, an off-season podcast, right? Um, yeah. But in the early days when we all did it together, and I had just gotten a MacBook, um, and I was super excited about how great it was, and I found out that the MacBook needed like fifteen fucking pieces of software to make one podcast five or six years ago, and now it's just pardon. Pardon my Peter Brady moment. Uh, now it's just um, Google Hangouts does all the, the heavy lifting with, you know, maybe light editing and publishing it. Um, but at the time, it was like I bought microphones, and I'm like, don't worry about anything. I'm going to handle it. I just I need a project. I need I need something to yeah. occupy all, my time. We, we did it in person back then. We all had yep. it, and it'd be like, hey, Paul, lean closer to the microphone. And we were that 
you know, we yeah. were pretty. Uh, Frank would actually go back out and edit the edit the ums out <laughs> for like two weeks. Two weeks, I made myself sound smarter, um, and you would never have heard that um. We had many a discussion about the proper way to cut a pizza between three people. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we still order especially when wings were involved and like who got like the dinky piece that was always left over, but that person would maybe get more wings. And and I wasn't a vegetarian then, so the wings were an issue to me. So right. it's true. It's well, true. My wing shares. Yeah, we, we were always at Frank's place in Shirlington. We had a couple at my place in Southwest DC and Scott's place in uh, Foggy Bottom DC. Yeah. We don't live at any of these places anymore. No. So we're going to stalk us no. in those locations. Me, we're going to fail miserably. Me and Frank's wife had the famously uh, excellent yes. but short-lived Gossip Gals podcast. The first, the first episode of the second episode was literally just me getting Scott used to like sit down and start talking about something you like. And Susan says she's like, she's like, let's talk about one of I Someone said talk about Gossip Girls because because Scott used to watch the show, and now it's off. And there's a ten-minute clip of Scott and my wife somewhere discussing a particular episode of. Uh, Gossip Girl, which is fascinating listening, even if you don't didn't watch the show. I felt like Scott came through, and so yeah. you know, did in a big way. There was the one episode where Frank missed that ended up, and it's a lost episode because I don't think it's on iTunes, but it's on YouTube. If you search us for maybe next year, uh, Scott, I'm doing that. So there's also yeah. Scott and I rehearsing for that episode, a two minute video of us just going back and forth hilariously. Right. right. So there's some, uh, there's some good lore that you know. This is one turning day, into the the special anniversary theme <laughs> episode. It is it is the time of year for clip shows, honestly. But yes, but yeah, I guess we'll get back into the the substance of it. But I had to yeah. bring that up, and you know, that's a fair question. Yep, and you should, and you should definitely check out Bills and uh, Beers as well. They have a great page. You know, they go through their origin story with us on Twitter. So uh, by all means, you definitely should uh, check that out. So on to some of the questions from uh, listeners. Best Bills-related merchandise any of you have ever gotten for Christmas? I don't really have much good to report on on that front. I've gotten a sweatshirt or two, but nothing like the Shady McCoy oil painting. I don't know if you guys have anything comparable. Um, well, you guys have done awesome. Well, Frank and Paul have done awesome ones for me and Paul. We still mm -hmm. owe Frank a jersey at some point because, like, Frank got me a signed Lee Evans, or you guys well, together got me the yep, signed yeah. Lee Evans jersey. Yep before I deployed it. Be you were going to war, so we felt like it was important. Yeah. Right. You went and served the country, so... I mean, we're going to get you a signed Roscoe Paris jersey. I mean, if you, <laughs> that's if you were going to, like, you know, Somalia, maybe. But you're going yeah, to Afghanistan, you need, yeah. Uh, and then Paul got one as well, so I think... Frank I got, I got a Nationals jersey, so that was a good gift. Right. But, yeah, that's yeah, true. Which I still wear. Uh, I, for Christmas... I'm sure when I was younger, I, I adored some, it would have been football cards and certainly clothing like Bill's, you know, pajama pants or sweats, hoodies or something like that. Um, so, but nothing like, nothing worth, the, nothing really worth the story, to be honest. I got a big puffy Bill's jacket. I yeah. want to say probably like in high school. And I was pretty excited about that. I still have that jacket. And it's kind of like the old school. It had like the late 90s. It was like pre, it's like when we still had the traditional red, white, and blue colors and the old lettering. So that was, I was pretty, pretty pleased with that. Um, and I wore that for probably way too long. So 
Um, all right, B asks a first-time questioner, and yes, a loaded question, but a very good one. Would Bills be better off if Anthony Lynn were head coach? Eh, we've talked about the merits of uh, of McDermott somewhat. How he's good, he's good, and Scott went into great detail about how he can be. You know, head coach has a lot of responsibilities. He can be good at certain ones and not at others. I would have to say with what Anthony Lynn can do offensively, that would help the team. But would it help the team overall? You know, I, did, I don't know. I'll leave that maybe, answer for, for you guys. Maybe not if they're still intent on trading away some of their top players. <laughs> uh, but maybe if they had kept them, yeah. And I think if I got my pick, I would take Sean McVay. Um, because I think that seems to be, you know, the quarterback whisperer in yeah. Los Angeles. Um, he seems to have, like, of all like the weirdly remarkable turnarounds, that seems to be the, 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 the most impressive. Um, I'm very happy Anthony Lynn's doing well, bluntly. I mean, I'm, I, I'm happy for him. Uh, just, like I'm, I, just like I don't know about you guys, but I'm weirdly happy for guys like Sammy Watkins, who I felt like never really did anything wrong here, and he's having a very nice season on a team that's going to the playoffs. Marquise so, Goodwin in uh, San Francisco yeah. is like the and number Robert one Woods. receiver at this point. Yeah. Um, um, so, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. I, I, I think... <laughs> Yeah, no, I also don't know. I think I'd have to watch more Chargers games to know the answer to that. I feel like that one, the one sample size of Charger game I've watched this year has not probably <laughs> represented Anthony Lynn's coaching uh, prowess. So, but I think he's a good coach, and I would have been happy if we hired him. Yep, yeah. has done terrible, but uh, Lynn also has done well. Right. Um, all right. Uh, taking a look through Twitter here. Um, sorry, just I was replying to these tweet. Okay, so Jasmine, Christmas sweaters, beer pong, punting in that order. Christmas sweaters don't have any good ones. I'll let you gentlemen answer that. Beer pong. Uh, I haven't played beer pong since my 30th birthday, so that was a long time ago. I did it at a bar called Hamilton's here in DC, not the classy one. Oh, yep. damn. I was going to say, that's a really nice bar. There's, the, there's a very classy bar called Hamilton's, and then there was another one, which may still exist somewhere, I believe, on 2nd Street Northwest. I don't know, but I stayed there until 3 a.m. playing beer pong. Uh, punting, yeah, we've talked about punting pretty extensively on this, so I think we've, we've covered the punting. Any thoughts on Christmas sweaters or beer pong? Um, I played beer pong, I think, once. I was never I was never in a fraternity or hung out much in, with that type of crowd, not to not in a denigrating way. Am I saying that? I just didn't. And uh, so it wasn't, wasn't my deal. Uh, Christmas sweaters. Um, I like looking at them. I think there was one that was my favorite one that I didn't get <laughs> was Jose Bautista when he hit the home run and threw the bat like two years ago. Yeah, and, it was yeah. like, and somebody made a Christmas sweater out of that. And it was gorgeous. And I just, I couldn't justify it. I was like, <laughs> I, I like Jose Bautista so much. And I kind of like the Jays. And I, that shirt is great. That sweater is great, but I couldn't, couldn't just spend fifty bucks on it. No, I'm I just. Gonna, I'm going to share my favorite Christmas sweater with uh, Jesmond, which is uh, Ozzy Osbourne in a Gremlins Christmas sweater. It's just a thing of beauty. Um, yeah, that pretty much is the major Twitter questions. Thanks again to everyone. Bills and beers as always. Uh, Frank, I've heard of that guy. Jesmond B, Ryan, and then everyone interacted with me during the game. The usual suspects, um, Orlando, of course, Ryan, everyone else. Um, thanks again, Phil, Grant, pleasure talking with you all. Okay. Uh, the Bills have to play the Miami Dolphins, and I'm looking for Bills-Dolphins odds. But, Paul, you watched the the, Bill, the Dolphins beat the Patriots. Um, I didn't. I assumed that when they were down at halftime, it just wouldn't last that long. But I, I thought maybe you could you could speak to that. Um, yeah, it was, uh, yeah it, was a, it was a good game. 
so uh, it was entertaining to watch. They, this is what really stood out to me for those of you who didn't watch the game or didn't read this in the wrap-up, is that the New England Patriots did not convert a single third down the entire game, a 0% third down conversion percentage. And it wasn't – and they had a – had a similar strategy to kind of how the Bills were handling the Patriots, which is like we're going to shut down Brady, and unlike the Bills, you can more readily beat with the run. You're not going to be able to beat us with your running game. And so the Patriots did get a couple big plays during the course of the game – uh, but all in all, the Dolphins had a really sound strategy of just like, look, you can try to do what you're going to try to do. You can run a few yards here and there. When it gets to third down, we're going to be stout, and you're not going to be able to to move the ball on us. And it literally worked the entire game. Even going to the second half, I'm thinking, well, this is where New England usually turns it around. But uh, the great job by the Miami defense. And the Miami offense, it was a, it was this is what pleases me. It was a good Jay Cutler day, which means hopefully he's due for a bad you know, thrown interception to Kyle Williams type Jay Cutler day, which has happened. Jay Cutler has had that day. So, you know, I'm very, uh, I was really impressed with how he was, his, he was great on the deep ball. He has good short and midterm accuracy as good as I've seen Cutler play since his Denver days. So they were, this is not going to be a game where the Bills, I, I would not expect the Bills to coast in this game based on if, if they play anything like they did, if the Dolphins play anything like they did against the Patriots. Uh, well, just following up, the the Bills are three and a half point favorites, uh, so it's a pick'em game. On you know that they just are assuming the home home field will affect the, the the game here. The Dolphins are two and seven in their last nine games against their division, AFC East division, on the road, um, and the Bills are two and six in their last eight games after a win. So neither is a particularly. The Bills are not good at stacking wins, and the Dolphins are not particularly good on the road in the AFC East. Um, the the Bills obviously looking to get. Tyrod Taylor back uh, looking to looks like Calvin Benjamin would probably play because he finished the game last week. Uh, you'd also have LaShawn McCoy looking good. Certainly some offensive weapons for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, no Jay Ajay uh, for the Dolphins. As you said, Jay Cutler on a good day can make things difficult. I think also you got to respect the, 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 the Dolphins defense. Um, yep. But just so you guys know, I, for the rest of the year, I'm not picking against the Bills, uh, save for maybe the, the, um, <laughs> The Patriots game. I can't bring myself to do it because it's just this is the this is it. This is the season, and so the odd sharks here says a 24-22 result for the Bills in their simulator, and I like that. It means that they wouldn't cover the spread; it'd be a close game, but they would they would in fact win, and I think that that sounds that sounds reasonable to me. All right, and I see Scott has obviously looked at the simulator because before he he bolted a few seconds ago. He may be back, he may not, but he said he's going to go with the Bills twenty-four to twenty-one. And to use uh, Scott's logic here, just by looking at that score, same type of uh, you know, same type of game that Frank and uh, the simulator predict. You know, a very good uh, uh, back and probably good back and forth battle. You know, one where you get a. I would not anticipate this being twenty four nothing game where the Dolphins, you know, put up three late touchdowns. I think this is going to be a well contested game. This there have been three times during the drought, and someone posted this the other day, and I wish I'd reposted it, where the Dolphins proceeded to get a home win versus the Patriots and then go on the road the next week and lose to Buffalo. Yep. And might have even been four times. So it's happened a lot. I think that same trend can follow. It's a Monday night game. They are due. You would think they might be due for a bit of a letdown. The Bills had a huge benefit of getting to see their next three opponents just by watching the Monday night game, the Dolphins right. twice in, in New England. And so you know they were focused on that game. You know they've – 
I don't think the talent disparity is that big. I think uh, if Buffalo can, you know, really hold Miami's run in place and assuming Cutler doesn't play as, as well as he does the other night, I think the Bills will – I'm going to give them a little bit, a slightly bigger win than you guys, though not huge. I'm going to say 24-14 Buffalo in this one. And, um, yeah, and we talked about – and, frankly, Ben asked me too about this day in Bills history. Uh, we'll keep it short. Here we go. The Bills beat the Packers on this day three years ago to go to 8-6 and six in the Kyle Orton era. Uh, it was it's the same type of situation that they have this uh, this week. Let's hope they can get the repeat result. And yeah, then the, they uh, had the then they don't follow it up with a stinker in Oakland, which yeah, right. Yeah. So um, so yeah. Oh yeah, and the trivia question I was going to do for you, Scott, uh, but you know on your behalf, but you're gone. Uh, the Bills player that intercepted uh, Aaron Rodgers twice that day. Um, boy, that wasn't that long ago, so I should really know it. Um, um, you know what? I think I think I think Paul doesn't know that this was a previous trivia answer as well. Uh, <laughs> ba- Maggie Gyllenhaal. Maggie Gyllenhaal. Right? Maggie was she? G. Maggie G. Double G. Um, I'll say Leotis McKelvin. Uh, both both good guesses, but uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal and Leotis McKelvin actually oh, no, had a. Joe, I want to switch mine. Uh, Bakari oh, okay. I'm going to say Bakari Rambo. Oh, there we go. I was going to say. Yeah, I was yeah, trying to think yeah. who's not on the team anymore. That is the child of Maggie Gyllenhaal and Leotis McKelvin is Bakari Rambo, <laughs> of course, the freedom. Um, two picks exactly. in that game. You know, it was just a, probably his career game when you look back on it. So good job, Bakari. Good job, the Bills. It was a, an extremely good Green Bay team that they knocked off that day. It got them to eight and six. Uh, and then they went to blow a game to the Raiders, so uh, who were sucky then, by the way, for those of you who right. don't know. Yeah, that was and the same. Yeah, yeah. yeah that was, was they, they beat the they beat the Patriots in the in the meaningless nine game to go nine and seven, right? Yep. That was the Doug Marone Saint Marone end of the. Yep. Yeah. So that was uh, the Sandals history, December fourteenth, twenty fourteen, and let's hope we get a replay of that of at least the one game, the Week fifteen game from that season this week. Yes. Uh, well, if you have any further questions or comments, you can get a hold of us, bbillsmny at gmail.com, bbills.wordpress.com, uh, facebook.com backslash bbillsmny, or at bbillsmny on Twitter. You can go to iTunes, search Buffalo Bills maybe next year, or even Buffalo Bills Podcast. We're going to come up. You can leave us ratings, which help us over there. You can type Buffalo Bills Podcast into your search engine, and we usually are on the second page with all the good podcasts, although Bills and Beards is on the first page. Um, all the all the all the cool hipster podcasts are on the second page. Yeah, but you know like, we do a lot of these people probably use like Podbean, and we are still like I use Internet Archive, and we're in the stone, yeah. so we don't get the the Podbean is what does it because all these other you know bills and beers is a long history and they should be on that 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 page, but <laughs> we're on the second page is literally entities on the second page, not on the first page, include us. The Buffalo News, Buffalo News Blitz podcast, which is every week. Uh, the Bills B podcast with Joe Biscalia from WKBW. Right? So, you know, you've got a lot of... Sounds uh, great, like actual yeah. beat reporters and yeah. people. So I, I think we're in good company on page two. You think they and their podcast with? Um, you can find us on Google. And if you Google us, we're on the second page of results behind um, maybe next year who continues to beat us. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Yes. Winner. Um, Anyway, that's where you can get a hold of us. Hopefully, we'll be talking about a, a Bills-Dolphins victory and a clearer and even better uh, playoff picture You know, going into the final two weeks of the season. Um, 
So until then, my name is Frank. I'm Paul. Good night, everyone.